and welcome to another episode of the Awkward In Between podcast, a podcast where we pretty much go, go through Dave Shank's contact list and talk to everybody he's ever worked with in the past. It's <laughs> I was thinking about that on the way over here this morning, thinking it's about time we got somebody who's like a Damien contact. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that, contact. that wasn't a, a dig at you, that was more of a dig at me because I just haven't put any effort in yet as to far as... <laughs> Tracking down guests for the podcast. Right. It's been a good series so far. We've been really delving into, I guess, some of the awkward in-betweens, uh, tr- you know, traditionally with spirituality and our own Christian upbringings because that's just was mm-hmm. the, the nature of where you've met a lot of the guests that we've had on here. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely branched open into some other really great discussions. Yeah, no, it's been really interesting, hasn't it? Like talking about... Um, racism and sexism and like all, all of the things that we're not, we keep saying, you know, two middle-aged white guys. We have established though, so I think this probably explains your laziness in uh, organising guests, that, that whilst we are both kind of, you know, roughly middle-aged white guys, that I am Gen X and you are a millennial. So that explains everything you need to know about that. <laughs> So, right, and we're also going to start talking about ageism now, are we? Ageism, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's, the uh, o- it's the only valid-ism, to be honest. It Especially seems to once be. you're approaching 50. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I had a really funny um, situation actually on social media this week um, where someone had put it, you know, so there's a comedian, uh, Ricky Gervais, who you may or may oh, not yeah. have heard of, um, <laughs> and he has caused a, a fair bit of controversy with some of his latest humour where there's been some jokes there that have been, um, I guess, trans-related. Um, yes. And so he's been you know, deemed to be transphobic in some of his humour and some other comedians have been really outspoken about that as well. Um, and there's another comedian, James Acaster, um, who I really quite like, who really went to town on Ricky Gervais in one of his routines. Mm. But in... The opening of James Acaster's routine, he uses a joke, he goes, I really hate old people, they're the stupidest people in the world, and went on with this, <laughs> this thing. And I, I mean, I think in context that was actually an ironic position he was taking leading up to his Ricky Gervais burn. Um, but initially I made a comment under this going, it's really interesting, isn't he doing the same thing, only using ageism now rather than transphobia? transphobia. To, and somebody jumped on there and totally tore me a new one <laughs> in, in their response. Seems unusual on social media. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and was really uh, – and it, it was quite frustrating because, again, it came back to – like I think they had come from either – you know I mean, they were very strong trans advocate, which I am too. Like I'm, I'm for respect and love for all people. Mm-hmm. So anything that is demonising or hitting down on another person, um, I think hey, that, that's problematic. But yes, I had this awkward where I think they're also quite strong feminist um, and there's literally the remarks went back, well, you're just a privileged white man, you don't really have a say in and there what it you're is. talking about and all this, you know, <laughs> and going now, I, I, I don't know how to respond to this because on one hand yeah. I go, that's true, but I don't think that actually negates the point that I was trying to make is, is ageism okay yeah. or is there a difference between, yeah, and it was like, I've this is such an awkward... I don't know how to respond to this in a way that's not going to inflame this conversation. You found yourself in an awkward in-between, my friend. Which I really <laughs> did. Anyway. It's just, it's exactly what we're here for, mm. right? Like, is to explore the, that space. Yep. And, and it does. It, you kind of hit that place of going, okay, I'm just going to kind of back away out of the room and maintain eye contact, you know? like yeah. Because what do you say? Yeah. You either just... You go, you know, do you apologise for something which, like, as Caleb said to us, it's not our fault mm. that we were born white or into the circumstances that we were born into. Um, 
but they are. But at the same time, it's true. Yes. And if somebody said, "Well, you don't get an opinion," mm. where do you go with that? I, I just, you know. So I guess what we're trying to work out is: is it possible to create a space where you can be middle-aged and white and male, yeah, and still engage in conversations in a way that recognises the privilege, yep, um, but doesn't dismiss us as people because mm. of that privilege that we had no more say in than those who have not got that privilege. Yeah, it's a tough one, man. Totally, I still. I just feel so awkward about it so often. Mm, yeah. You know, get the words wrong because I don't have the right context. Then I haven't been able to, you know, have the, um, it, you know, the, the well, privilege of, of, you know, say becoming an ap- a, a white academic, you know, mm. who has been able to spend all my time kind of in, the, in this space to get all my language right, you know, and to really understand it. Uh, I, I just, you know, I have a day job and... You know, like I'm just trying to engage with the world. I care about things, uh, but but I stuff it up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, can, where's a little bit of grace for me to try and work through that? Yeah. And, no. And man, that's how I so felt. Hard, so because, awkward. Because ultimately, all I wanted to do was just ask it, and that's all. I just wanted to ask a question. I wanted to open this up for discussion because it was something in my head. I go, oh. I, I see um, an inconsistency here. Yeah. Can someone help me to see it, this maybe from a different perspective or explain or whatever? Yeah. And this person that I was engaging with, they're not an enemy to me. Like I sit there and go, hey, look, it's great that you're, you know, you know like obviously a strong feminist and everything. You're not my enemy. Or you're on my side. You're, you're, you're me in, a, you know, in another form, so to speak. You know, yeah. Um, and yet the hostility that came back, I'm like, oh, this is yeah. really and, – and almost it was as if – Perhaps even that mentality of wanting to ask questions is a very white male thing to do, and other you know, maybe. And it's like, oh, that's, well, that's and in itself, I guess, is kind of like, man, like if you didn't have so much privilege in the first place, you'd be busy trying to make sure that you had somewhere to sleep or food to eat. Maybe you know, it's, you wouldn't be, you know, so exactly. Uh, I nah. don't know intellectually inclined <laughs> it's possible anyway that's what this podcast is about it is finding our way through these awkward in-between moments and also about drinking good beer yes come on we Ooh. enjoy i've just picked up this one that you've mm-hmm. got for us this morning i just want to point out that we are not drinking beer at 10 o'clock on a sunday morning we are drinking beer at uh, six o'clock or seven o'clock i think it is in the evening in nashville <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here doing this at 10 o'clock on a uh, Sunday morning is because our upcoming guest uh, is is in Nashville. And we'll, we'll get to Chad shortly, but tell us about the beer demo. Yeah, well, and it's really funny because I, 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 you know, I knew as soon as I hit record today that the uh, that whole suspension of disbelief that we could be drinking this at any hour of the day, I knew you were going to break it and just be completely transparent. Yeah, yeah, I just don't do that. <laughs> so now that everybody knows that we are functioning alcoholics, <laughs> what we are drinking here... Is a, oh is a Mountain Goat Hightail 25, classically written in Roman numerals, so oh, XXV, nice. which is great. And it's an aged cognac, uh, or it's been aged, aged in cognac, cognac barrels. barrels. Now, it doesn't actually tell me whether or not it's a, I think it's just a dark ale of some description. I think it's a red, actually. I've yeah. seen this one. I haven't had this one, but I actually believe it's a red ale. But it smells amazing. While I pour these... Tell us about our guest we've got coming up today. Yeah, so Chad and I, strangely enough, connected through my years at Easterfest <laughs> again. Uh, and uh, so, you know, the Christian Music Festival I ran or helped run slash ran for 10 years. Um, and in the very last year, um, through actually some mutual YWAM Youth with a Mission uh, 
connections. We um, we ended up coming into contact with each other, and he joined us at the last Easter Fest as one of our speakers. Uh, so his it's a very interesting journey. You go far enough back, and there's uh, particularly interesting life uh, as a as a employee at Tooth and Nail Records, signing all these heavy bands, running a music festival. Um, and uh, yeah, he went on, at some point he felt to give all that up and be more in a mission space, um, not kind of an overseas mission space primarily, as a, as a kind of an at-home missions space. Uh, he wrote a book called A Thousand Risks, uh, which we'll get him to unpack a little bit. And, uh, and he's a craft beer fan, which is no doubt part of the reason he and I connected just very closely, very quickly. Uh, so yeah, no, super interesting guy, become a really good friend of mine, even though we have been on opposite sides of the world uh, for most of the time we've known each other. We just, yeah, we've stayed in touch and gotten to know each other and uh, I'm looking forward to having a chat. Excellent. All right. Well, stay tuned. Let's get Chad on the line. Good morning, Chad, and welcome to the Awkward In Between podcast. How are things? Man, I mean, not quite as good as you guys are doing, but but pretty good. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm really I'm thrilled to be here, and yeah, honored. Now I'm surprised it's like Saturday night where you are, man. Like, why why aren't you drinking yeah. delicious beer? I know that I just got water. I was out I was out uh, running the dog, and uh, I don't know. I guess for some reason it just didn't. It, maybe it was like a time factor. Plus, I just didn't, yeah, didn't think about it. But, but I do have plenty of fancy beers in the fridge. I just don't have one currently with me, which is unfortunate. Ah, uh, nice. So. I'm, I'm hanging out for uh, September, my friend. When you're uh, nice. going to need to take me to your favorite well, Nashville working, breweries. Yeah, we're working on a exclusive uh, Furnace Fest beer again. Which ah, is, nice. Uh, last year it was like a it was like a dry hopped pale ale. Then it was really, it was really tasty. Very nice. Very, yeah, yeah. It's yeah a, it's that's a, great. So is is the whole family coming? Uh, just uh, Ness and myself and Josh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Damo Ooh. Furnace Fest is a Man. heavy bands music festival uh, that uh, we're going to in September. That Chad uh, is well, a co-owner, co-runner, yeah. a bit of all the yeah. above. Oh. Yep. Yeah, oh, and. Uh, uh, Co-risk taker. Yes. Uh, in, in, in festival entrepreneur, entrepreneurial business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's come, let's come back to that because I reckon that's actually an interesting way to segue towards just Chad mm-hmm. telling us a bit more about who you are. But let's go way back, right back to you know, like when you were more involved in the music industry and and where mm-hmm. did uh, Furnace Fest come from and what was it all about back in the day? Let's let's go yeah. right back there and see where we end up. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean. I guess the starting point is that I, as a, as a young kid, I loved music, and uh, my first record that I ever purchased was Europe's The Final Countdown on vinyl. Nothing which, wrong which with I that. Found, That's a good record. I, no, not at all. Do you still not have it? I, uh, no. Well, yes and no. Uh, not the one that I purchased like, you know, 40 years ago, but the, I did about a month or so ago find a really nice copy uh, for ten dollars at a record store. So That's now so I do own it, just uh, not the not the exact same. Quick sideline: Is that because you got rid of it because of like Church World? 
No, no, that oh, was wow, that was okay. way before. I did that to so many great albums. Yeah, I'm ashamed to yeah, say. <laughs> I, pro- I probably did get. Re- I probably did burn some pretty good records, but that wasn't. That was not one of them. Um, <laughs> no, I I, um, I always love music, but I had no clue, you know, how to do anything music. But when I finished college, I moved to Birmingham, Alabama, to get married, and um, I worked as a, as like a moving guy for for uh, maybe a year. And while I was working in the moving industry, which is pretty much the worst business you can be, like moving people's furniture for a living, like for a friend, it's pretty miserable, but for a living, it's it's just the worst. So all day, you know, I, I was like thinking about what I could do and how I could some, you know, somehow like, I don't know, do something other than moving. And uh, and so I started showing up at record stores or record um I, I would set up like a record kind of like mini store at music sh- like concerts or a little little like Christian uh, shows uh, you could call them and uh, and I would just sell like skateboards Star Star Wars figures and uh, and and just random stuff and uh, and that's that kind of like got me in touch and got me thinking like you know maybe. Maybe I could get into this. So yeah, that was the that was the start. Should I should I keep going or yeah, or did, did, absolutely. Uh, okay. No, I, I actually no. I was going to say I've got a question straight off the bat there. Then okay, because yeah. I mean one of the one of the themes that we've kind of had in this first season of this podcast um, is that kind of awkward in between um, that mm-hmm. one experiences when they've come from a very say like a conservative Christian upbringing or an evangelical upbringing, and then yeah, and some of the challenges that they face when they have that conflicted with, I guess, just the real world that everybody else lives in. Um, And so obviously for yourself, there's a real love straight away for pop culture. And one of the things that I've experienced, you know, and and Dave kind of alluded to it before with this idea of having to burn records or throw out CDs or things because, you know, the the church deemed these things to be satanic or evil or... For yourself then, as as an obvious lover of pop culture... Um, but someone who has also you know, been involved in, in Christianity, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. what have been some of the, the tension points for you in that? And, um, and, and how has that affected, I guess, one, your, your faith on one hand and also your um, understanding and appreciation of pop culture on the other? Yeah, no, that's a great, great point, uh, Damien. Great question. Thank you for asking. Uh, wow. I, I mean, I guess before... I really committed my life to following Jesus. I was enamored by music, by uh, by, by bands, even even though they were you know maybe '80s bands, uh, by BMX bikes, skateboards, marijuana, uh, and, you know all, all kinds of fun teenage stuff. And um, and I think it was like maybe maybe at, I guess towards the end, very end of high school, going into my first year of college, that I had really made a commitment to follow Jesus. And and so with that commitment, like you said, came a, like, you're supposed to distance yourself from all that stuff that you once liked, uh, such as every Metallica record on the planet, and you're supposed to find, you know, like, Baron Cross or... Um, <laughs> I don't know, like Striper or somebody that's like, you know, Vengeance Rising or someone that's kind of, but not really there's a Metallica equivalent. That, you know, there's there's that? lists for that out there. You can go, oh, I like Guns yeah. N' Roses. Oh, well, yeah. you would like this band. Recommend it if you like this. 
So I, I but I think I think I I kind of discovered Christian music and it it actually blew my mind how much creative uh, talent and and material was out there and I just. I just fell in love with the fact that there was a subculture within a subculture. So there was kind of like the subculture of modern music and the emo, punk, hardcore, indie, whatever world. And then, and then inside that was a Christian thing that was going on. It was really um, turning, you know, t- t- turning heads and really uh, doing things. So, mm. um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, just, I guess for me, there, there, rarely I mean I do still in full disclosure I do still have times where I feel a sense of like you know I probably I probably shouldn't listen to that you know like that like man that I just don't like how I feel or I don't like the thoughts that it produces or you know there there's definitely still times where I would say that um that the holy spirit is maybe maybe loudly reminding me that there's a better choice but I have a pretty, I have a pretty broad, I guess I'd say a, a pretty broad appreciation for, um, for, for art. And uh, it's hard to say that and, and be like, but it's only Christian, you know, like, like, oh man, but how do you even know if anything's good if you don't, you know, listen to anything beyond what, you know, is in a certain category. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, I guess that, 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 uh, duality or that dilemma maybe for some is, has always been a, kind of a balance the tension there has not really felt like tension it's felt more more like opportunity uh to me and um part of part of what i i've always appreciated and and loved and respected about the jesus story is is that like ability to um to connect with people that the religious types would be very very unlikely to to find favor with you know (laughs) So I don't know. I, it makes me think, like, like you know, Jesus for sure would have known who Metallica was and uh, had had you know had some good good jokes about I don't know Jane's addiction or some somebody. But um, yeah. <laughs> so, and and would Jesus be listening to Metallica? Ah man, would he be listening to Metallica? I mean, that, I guess that you know back I think we then. Just got our like, I'm trying to think of day. like how. What's that? What'd you say, Dave? I think we just got our podcast cho- title for the day. Would Jesus be yeah, listening that, to Metallica? But, what, but what's the answer, title. Chad? There it is. Boom. I mean, I think he would. I think I think he was a connoisseur of what was happening around him. I think he was very clued in and very aware and very in the know of what people were about and what was popular and what was happening, whether it's Metallica or, or um, I don't know, you know, whatever, whatever the modern day super you know cool artist is i don't even know who that is but whoever that would be right now uh i I think yeah i think he would and uh but i don't know i guess that's you know that's a hopefully hopefully i'd like to think he would Uh, yeah i mean it's interesting because from my own experience and sorry i'm kind of dominating the questions here dave i'll let you jump in and and ask something in a minute but uh, (laughs) i've I've only just this is the first time that chad and i have met so i feel like i'm on like this this first date with somebody and i just want to know everything about them i'll just sip on this delicious beer while you talk (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i mean because for me i mean i I, so so i had probably a similar experience in terms of like when i was young you know it was listening to metallica and stuff and then you had this you know almost like and and i don't know you know, I mean, you mentioned the term Holy Spirit before, and that's probably a term that I, I have big question marks over my, you know, at the moment even. 
Um, sure. But at the time, definitely having this sense of, okay, there's a guilt that's coming here, whether or not that's been externally projected from the culture that I was growing up in or whatever. So then got rid of all my Metallica albums. Whereas now I'm on like another side where I'm listening to Metallica all the time. And it's really yeah. coming from a perspective of, um, you know, like he, I just see here are human beings creating art that is ex, you know, expressive of their own experience of life. It doesn't matter who they are. And for me, I look at that as a divinely sacred thing to be doing, um, irrespective of what the, the content and stuff is. And so I, I just like sit there and yeah. embrace the humanity of kind of all art, which is what I would like to think that, you know, like if Jesus was a, a 2022 citizen of Earth, he would be doing the same yeah. sort of thing. Um, Dave and I had this conversation just off air. He was talking about this podcast that he'd been listening to. And you might, I might get you just to um, extrapolate a bit more on this one, Dave. But this term came up um, in that particular podcast of this idea of Christian supremacy. And Dave, mm. if I can get you to just explain a bit of that, and then we'll throw it over to Chad. It was the Brian McLaren oh. podcast. Mm. Uh, I think it's called uh, Learning to See. It's, uh, it's one of the more recent episodes. Uh, and Brian was talking to a sick lady, which is not unwell, uh, but sick, the religion. S-I-K-H. S-I-K-H, which I discovered in mm. that episode is the correct way to pronounce that, which my uh, whiteness was not aware of prior to this. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and she was... Um, and, and they were talking about um, the essentially that kind of idea of just the oneness of everything um, and, and seeing uh, in in all people, the people you don't know, seeing uh, a part of yourself that you have not yet yet met. But anyway, as that conversation went on, uh, at one point, Brian, just out of nowhere, and I've listened to quite a lot of his stuff, I haven't heard him use this term before, but he used the term Christian supremacy, and it just, it hit me so hard. Mm. To, to You know, because of the similarity, I guess, to the term white supremacy, um, which obviously has very cringy, negative connotations for me. Yeah. Uh, I, it just hit me really hard to come to realize that the religion I grew up with, the, the version of Christianity that I was handed, was absolutely Christian supremacy because it, it claimed that basically if you weren't us, then you were in trouble forever. Uh, so it was 100% not kind of no recognition, no openness to the possibility that others could be right or others could be right as well, that other things could be maybe at least as true or right as as what we believe but no if you don't believe what we believe if you're not in with us then you're out and you're done for for good absolutely by definition is a sort of uh religionism <laughs> yeah and it just it hit me so hard to mm. to realize that just you know i guess i kind of knew it but it just hit me really hard with that that language mm. yeah what, what, yeah what i mean that's oh go ahead no, sorry. You're, I was I was about to say something, and then you were about to say something. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you, Chad. I was just going to say, what 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 are your thoughts um, on that kind of? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a. I feel like these days, it's a incredibly appropriate uh, conversation to be having because, uh, it's for so many of us, the way in which we were brought up, uh, absolutely and and one hundred percent influences the path that we take and sometimes it does you know it, it maybe the trajectory is very similar as you know the one that we started on and obviously in other cases it's very different but um, I think that that for me it's I guess I've always found it to be one of the 
more beautiful things and not offensive things, that there's a faith that claims um, not superior, not superiority, but a level, a level of sacrifice to self and sacrifice to um, the the world's design or other designs, even and and says, I want. It's kind of like you know. I guess uh, to me, it's not. It's not been. I understand why it's offensive, and it and rightfully it is so. But I think that for me, I've always appreciated, loved, and recognized that that Christianity from the start is saying, hey, this is offensive, and people aren't going to like this. And that doesn't mean that we run around, those of us who are still Christians, trying to offend others, but there is, that, that I just, I think I've always been blown away by the fact that there's, there's a level of um, honesty and awareness over like yeah this is this is hard this is extremely hard and uh anyone who doesn't wrestle with that or or doesn't have to kind of process what what that means or what the implications are i think either is just extremely desensitized or insensitive maybe both you know and um and so i think there's the there's that great challenge which is if christianity is is farce and uh and store you know narr- twisted narrative o- over time then you know it's it's annoying and christians are are uh frustratingly you know like uh poor people you know <laughs> with with their thought process that they they somehow got it right and everyone else got it wrong Mm. Um, but if there's even the possibility that there's that there's truth in the story, then it causes me to 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 have to stop and wrestle with whether that could be a possibility. So um, again, I just I guess I don't see it as as like a um, a curse. I see it more uh, as a gift, and uh, and I feel like that's how in the world we all. Uh, actually learn to function with each other and grow with each other and uh, and let that friction you know can either be the unfortunately like that that white supremacy thing it's that I hate this kind everyone who's not like me and I want to end everyone who's not like me or the uh, healthy version of friction which is uh, we all likely believe things that are very different and how do we have civil conversations and discourse mm. and, and actually explore with one another what we believe and how we got there and what that looks like and and uh, and admitting that we all could be wrong and we mm. all could uh, find ourselves you know at any point in life being really surprised by you know anything so uh, yeah yeah I was I was having a similar conversation with my mom and my auntie just yesterday you know that it around just the, the tone of conversation. And I think, sadly, typically, a lot of evangelical Christianity has been pretty terrible at it. Like, and it's, it's okay. If you, if you genuinely believe that if you don't believe or do a certain thing that you're going to go to hell forever, then that's going to be a fairly strongly influential kind of belief in terms of your way of interacting with the world and 
and if it's not, to be honest, do you really believe it, right? Like, you know, we've had that conversation, Chad, going, you know, like, yeah. how, how much do we really even, I question how much I deeply believed that even when I intellectually claimed to believe it, given how minimally it drove my behavior. You know, I almost have more respect for the guy standing on the street corner telling everybody that walks past if that's what you really believe, you know, it's kind of like, rather than people who can kind of believe that and like me, as I'm saying this was me, who can believe that and kind of still just pretty much cruise through life pretty comfortably, you know, like that, that's, that's a really hard thing. But I think, sure, it's going to drive, it should drive a lot of what your life looks like if you believe that. But can you believe that and still have a reasonable conversation? You know, how, do you, how do you interact with people? in a reasonable way and have a decent conversation. It's, um, well, and that's, yeah, often and that, and that kind of, right. That, and that kind of brings us back to furnace fest and why mm. when I was living in Bible belt, Alabama in uh, the late 1990s, I felt there was, there was a place and a need for that conversation to happen where I typically wasn't seeing it happen. And so for me, the motivation was how do I get people together just to to consider that there's value no matter <laughs> wh- where who you are or where you're at and if you can't even come to the table and share a meal together i don't know how you'll ever have quality conversation with mm. a cigar and a nice ale afterwards you know mm-hmm. like yeah. like it's like man you know like uh, come on like can we just like sit down and and uh yeah, and get to know each other and appreciate each other regardless of our, our differences and even because of our differences. So, yeah, so for some reason, and, and, and it's not it's not universalism, it's it's like, a, I don't know, I just, I guess I, I guess there's a level of peace that I've felt for, for a long time in my life that, that I don't have to have the answers perfectly dialed in. Mm. I've got to, I've got to learn to care for people and open my heart to people in a way that um, produces value and safety and belonging for them, even if at the end of the day, we completely disagree, you know, or we, mm. we, we see, we, which in many cases we probably do. I'm still an evangelical Christian that believes in the Bible as, as influenced by God and people throughout throughout the ages that these days that's crazy but i but i love metallica and i love <laughs> and i love people that aren't you know christians I, and I, I i love the i gotta say I my friend the opportunity I, to don't have to go back too many years and i can't imagine myself being comfortable letting my son go to your music festival right <laughs> i mean I, you know i would say that uh i would say that my you know the the my experience with my own son last year at Furnace Fest yep. was that that it, it was a it was a family gathering until about nine o'clock at night, and then it became a family gathering with a lot of marijuana <laughs> and a lot of and a lot of like vapes, you know, like yeah. it was just like cluster, you know. Clouds no of, need for uh, a smoke machine at that point. <laughs> right, no, no, just you know. But it was still, it wasn't crazy. It's not. It, it's people, 
I think it's just people who maybe because from the start Furnace Fest was fashioned to um, to bring different people together and and try to help them connect with each other uh, despite their their differences that that to today it's just kind of that's that I don't know that vibe or, or that um, experience is just kind of carried through and it's it's fun man I, I'm stoked for you to experience it man I'm it's so like excited e- it's like, like Easter fest it's like Easter fest just there's not a lot of preaching but, just but louder like, yeah. I think <laughs> it's, got that sweet, man, remember- right, it's like a louder a louder non you know I don't know it's it's a louder not as cool Easter fest because Easter fest <laughs> is in the the coolest area ever it was it was a it was a lot of fun. But I had to tell you, when I was driving along with Josh, he's you know I've told you this. He was getting he's been getting into more heavy music. Uh, well, were you, were you guys times. listening to something or what? Sorry. Yeah, what a, what were, were you and he listening to a specific? Band yeah, yeah. I can't remember what we were listening to because uh, it's not really my music. Like I'm more likely to go back to good old school Metallica. Really, if, if we're listening to something heavy. But uh, he was so I was driving. He was DJing. And, uh, and a lot of the music was some of this heavier okay. stuff he's been getting into. And I said, ah, oh, man, Google Furnace Fest. So he's sitting in the passenger seat, he's Googling it, and he's looking through the lineup. And it was literally, I found out later, it was the, the day you announced this year's lineup. So wow. if it had wow. been the day before that's, we had this conversation, then the timing. best, best right. he could have looked at is last year's lineup. But He's looking through the lineup and just like drooling on his phone and, and like, oh my gosh, oh, no way, and all this. <laughs> and then when he kind of got into it, I said, so you know that Chad, like, this is Chad's festival, right? And he's like, what? <laughs> uh, anyway, so when I told my wife, Ness, that story that evening when we got home, she was just like, oh man, we just got to take him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I, know. I don't think it takes much to twist my wife's arm into any excuse right. to travel internationally. To be honest, but yeah, no, that was amazing. that was the you, go. You guys so are gonna, we're coming, yeah, you man. Guys it's are all have, booked. We're on our you're way. You're gonna have such a great time. It's it's um, it's truly yeah. It's a it's a beautiful beautiful time. Chad, I wanted to yeah. ask. Uh, you used a term um, a little while back called you know the, the like the offensiveness of Christianity, and for me mm-hmm. personally, I guess where I'm at now, one of the ways in which I because initially, I guess, growing up, I was always taught what makes Christianity offensive is that idea that perhaps, you know, some people are living lifestyles that may eventually send them to hell or whatever it might be. Or the offense is that Jesus, you know, is really only for this group of people, but he's not for that group of people. And that's offensive to some people. And that was considered the offensive Christianity. Whereas I guess where I see things now, I actually look at it more of what you're saying in that latter part of what you just said before that what's offensive about christianity is that the truly christian experience you know the jesus experience is being able to sit at a table where you could have a completely you know an extremist left-wing person and an extremist Mm -hmm. right-wing person and jesus sits at that table equally loving towards both those those people like jesus Mm -hmm. is inclusive of everybody so you could have a jew and a nazi coming together at jesus's table and he has love for the humanity of both those people whereas most other people can't live in that space for me that's where i see christianity is becoming um you know an an offensive um type religion but i'd love to to hear you unpack a bit more of what, what you see as being the offense of christianity yeah, thanks, Damien. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, I think that he not it's it's interesting because not only could Jesus sit at that that table and love 
anyone exceptionally well and, and help them feel the, the level of potential inside of them that he knows that they're capable of and that, that they're created uh, with. But he's also, the offensiveness is that he's calling us out. And, and he's called, the, to me, what's, Christianity is, is the most universal religion because everybody gets called out. Like, like it's not, I mean, if, if you're really going to take it to heart and you're a white supremacist, like, oh man, I mean, dude, you, you're getting called out. Like, it doesn't, it's like, it doesn't matter what your character flaw is, what your, um, persuasion is what your uh, perspective is what your beliefs are what your action you know like it doesn't matter what this kind of specific thing is that jesus and christianity is i i feel like is calling out everyone to a very very challenging path and um and that's what makes it offensive is that it's it, I, I feel it's more personally offensive i think that religion makes Christianity offensive, but, but the, the beauty of, of taking Jesus at his word is that there's a personal offense that, that each of us have to wrestle with, and that's more what I'm, not so much the, the you know, the really ugly, um, hurtful examples of people that have used religion and specifically Christianity for their own gain, or, or for, you know, selfish or, or hurtful, you know, um, pursuits, but, but really, like, thinking through what does it mean for me to wrestle with that, the, the offense of, of what Jesus says, you know, it's kind of like what Dave was saying, like it'd be better to, it's, maybe it's better and easier to just kind of like, oh yeah, like I know, I know that that's there, but I'm just kind of like going to put on Metallica and forget it, you know, or something, I don't know, like it's just kind of, you know, I don't really want to pay too much attention to it because it's kind of, it's kind of kind of crazy, you know? Mm. Kind of yeah, Brian McLaren was, he followed up that statement by saying that he, you know, knows that a lot of people when they come face to face with that Christian supremacy kind of aspect of their religion, when they kind of actually recognize it, will obviously discard their Christianity completely. And he said, I have a lot of sympathy for that. He said, I, I reckon if you are, if your only choice was to discard Christianity completely or maintain Christian supremacy, you would mm. almost certainly be a better person by getting rid of it completely. You know, now obviously he is of the opinion that there's also, that there's a middle ground, that there's another way to be Christian mm. uh, or to explore and express that tradition. But, you know, mm. if that's your only choice, then just ditch the lot, man. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 good call. From your experience and, and, and understanding, has there ever been a moment in history, and you mentioned before that you're somebody that, you know, you still, um, like the Bible for you obviously holds a lot of esteem and you take that for, you know, mm -hmm. like an, an inspired um, piece of text, which, I mean, I, I personally still have a lot of deep respect and stuff for the Bible, but through the whole trajectory, I guess, of, of the scriptures and history, has there ever been a point where, where God or your spirit or whatever has been on the side of conservatism? Hmm. Um, I'm not sure, I'm not, can you rephrase that or, or help me understand what you mean by that? Because yeah, I'm not sure, I want to, I want to answer well, but I'm not sure I've, I'm tracking with what that 
what that means. Yeah, so I guess one of the things that I find, because, I mean, what what we see and what I've, I've seen, I guess, presently um, in, in modern-day Christianity is a sense in which the conservative you know, political parties or whatever oh, they might okay, be... Okay. Always want to right, hold right. to hey yeah we're the, we're the Christian party like here in Australia yeah, okay. we have no I get it now I get I totally get I totally get but I'm looking now. at Sorry. the trajectory of the Bible and the trajectory right. of human history and I can't ever see a moment where <laughs> where the spirit of God has been on the side of conserving you know and, and being yeah, it's yeah. always <laughs> progressing um, it's the to book something of Trump you're just missing that one you know it's yep. the first first Trump is it's there somewhere no it's uh, no you're right I mean it's it's scary. Uh, it's scary to me how uh, maybe as humans we just kind of have a natural um, gravitation towards wanting to be with people that are like us. Mm. And so in America anyway, and I guess throughout the world, a conservative viewpoint, the, the Bible, I mean, people have used the Bible in twisted ways for a long, long time. So it's not a new idea to take something in a sacred text and then tweak it to your own advantage. But I feel like, to me, that's that's what can and often seems to happen when it comes to conservative, uh, you know, mo- political movements and stuff. It's just a, uh, I guess, in the same way that that white supremacy uh, were able to justify or or slavery. Um, proponents were able to justify their their thoughts there, and it's uh, it's frightening. It's it's offensive. It's uh, it's offensive. I think in the, the right way, um, and uh, it I don't know. It's it makes I think that's yeah. It's pro- probably the hardest thing right now about being a follower of Jesus still is is what's happening in Christianity that that kind of that. It's like, man, I do. I want to. I want to keep it quiet that I'm still following Jesus because I don't know where. I, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm even wearing a red shirt for this. You know, I didn't even think about that. You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm teasing. But but it's it's just a it's a weird world that we're in right now. A really strange world. So, yeah. Um, kinda, Chad, tell shocking. us a little bit more of your story. How, how did Furnace Fest actually come about, and uh, and where did you go from there? Yeah, that was um, yeah, that that was fun. The uh, I guess while I was sort of running the music um, little music thing in Alabama, which which had turned into a tiny little record store, a little like 170 capacity music venue, which which uh, was shut down by a fire mar- fire marshal because I didn't know you had to have any kind of like codes for safety. Or uh, anything of the sort, you know. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't smart enough to understand codes, but uh, I just. I just thought it would be fun to have a, a place, you know, to have bands come and play their hearts out. But um, I, while I was there promoting shows, and I had started a little record label, is when I had the idea that maybe we could take the show concept and then and then you know kind of extend it through a three day weekend. And, and originally, my, my thought was to bring half Christian bands and half non-Christian bands and almost force them to spend a weekend together, you know, without any preaching or any, like, like hey, well, 
we brought the non-Christian bands here really just so we can like hammer them with the gospel, you know, like, like kind of like the bait and switch, you know, yeah. sort of stuff that, that is, again, really unfortunate to, to the, um, the beauty of the Christian faith, you know, it's just not, it's treating people honorably and not, not tricking them, you know, never trying to trick someone. So, um, so it was, it was funny though, because I think at first there was like, you know, that one night there was a band called Strong Arm that played, and I, 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 it was either the same night or like maybe the next night, a band called the Dillinger Escape Plan played, and so there, there are, there are a lot of contrasts uh, that somehow managed to work, but, uh, but it really just came out of me as a, as a local promoter, um, exploring music and, and wanted to do something more inside the community and for the community, and and bringing people together and, and yeah it was a, I never I had no clue that it would that Dave Dave and uh, and and Co would be you know would be affected by a little tiny music you know thing expression in Alabama oh, I that feeling yeah it's so wild and were you with Tooth and Nail at the time uh, I was at the at the end so at the beginning the first couple of Furnace Fest I was not but then I got picked up and moved over to Seattle with Tooth and Nail and so yeah the last I think the last two I was I was in Seattle, um, which was very challenging. Trying to trying to run a uh, a record, you know, try, not run a record label, but be active, actively involved, and do a good good job at a record label while also trying to run a music festival was. Yeah. I've never I'm not good at multitasking, and uh, <laughs> and so it was it was bad, yeah. How good of, of a medium is music? Like, as far as just um, spiritual connection and dynamics, because like, what I'm hearing, what you're doing, um, which I think is amazing, is that you're creating an event where you're gathering people together of all walks of life. You know, it doesn't matter what their particular faith upbringing is and what their beliefs are. And by the sounds of it, like, there's no hidden agenda here, which is what I think is really important that you said before. Like, you're mm-hmm. not bringing people together so that you can convert people of one belief to another belief or vice versa. Mm-hmm. It is literally a case of here's an experience that I think we can all enjoy regardless of our, our, our particular beliefs and upbringings. Mm-hmm. Um, together and and music allows us to do that like i just look at me uh, music as one of those uh, languages that yeah, enables great, people like it, like um again you know using biblical language like it talks in the in the bible you know about this idea of speaking in tongues and the spiritual language well i think music is one of those spiritual languages that yeah. s- transcends um our own intellect and our own thoughts and allows us you know a people of just various backgrounds and upbringings and whatever just to come together and enjoy and there's something profoundly um sacred about that would you agree Oh, 100%, 100%. And I think it's I think it's what makes a festival like Furnace Fest work because it the music is it is is a strong enough force in and of itself to kind of curb and and sort of smooth out some of the rough edges of di- you know, we have to disagree or we have to like stand up for what we believe and convince everyone else that you know, they're they they need to see things differently. Uh, there's something about just being together and list maybe maybe for the atheist hearing a committed Jesus follower sharing their faith from stage it, it, it will will either of course that that could in and of itself be offensive but it could also be 
a opportunity for them to to go wow that that person is so convinced about something that I've just never even thought twice about maybe or have completely turned away from or whatever their story is and then and then the other side of that is the Christian listening to someone who's uh, sharing about police brutality or whatever that whatever they're passionate about um, whether it's spiritual or any anything else and and just being able to recognize that there's uh, there's a level of, of um, excitement in their voice and a level of, of passion and a level of uh, conviction that they could they could learn from and so I don't know I guess it's yeah again it's just uh, if we could give each other a little more grace regardless of where we're at I, I would guess that we'd we'd start. <laughs> we'd start behaving quite a bit differently. I, uh, and, and I think that's one of the, the biggest issues that we're facing at the moment um, as, a, as a species, you know, as a, as a collective. Yeah. Is it like we, we seem to be, despite all the, you know, I, I use the term evolution that we've had um, as humans, we seem to be at a, at a heightened peak of tribalism right now where people mm. seem so fearful of, of you know that this idea of the other person, so whether or not it's you know a transgender community or a gay community or a black community or a Christian community or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. you know, we seem to be so doubling down on these various identities that we have that we miss the opportunity to actually connect with those other people and actually realize that there is a joint humanity in which we're all sharing here together. Um, and I like because I like the idea. There's something, and again, you know, I'll, I'll quote the Bible, and I might be com- you know, completely. Uh, blaspheming it now but there's a verse where I know where Jesus talks about the idea where two or three are gathered together there I am in the midst and I don't Mm -hmm. see that necessarily as being an idea that when you've got two Christians or whoever it might be believing the same idea but when you've suddenly been able to get humans together from different backgrounds and ideas and beliefs and they can actually just come together and learn from each other there is something profoundly divine about that experience which i for myself use the language that is a christian experience Mm. but may also be true of all other religions as well but i think that that is something that that is deeply divine i don't know if that's if you'd agree with me on that but that's where i see the, the real beauty and strength of something like the furnace festival you're talking about yeah, yeah. I, I I wouldn't take the Bible verse and apply it in the same way that you did, but I can understand your point, and I follow your analogy really, really well and really clearly, and I get it. And I, I do agree completely that that, that concept of um, people of differing uh, va- vantage points coming together and just spending time is maybe the starting point. I mean, there was a level of honor i would say that that's the only like culture of honor was a was a popular christian book uh, uh, i don't know 10 or something years ago and uh i read it a long time ago it was more about church and like how to how to like live a culture of honor in church and uh, i think a guy named danny silk out of bethel wrote it but i've, I've never really applied it to church because i've never really worked uh, in a church or for a church but but i i like the idea at least uh, from a really broad perspective of what a culture of honor could look like at a music festival. And, um, and I think for me, it's like Furnace Fest gives me an opportunity to express my faith in a way that doesn't necessarily require me 
to walk around doing the kind of things or or acting in in a way that is like oh okay that guy okay like I, now we know that he's following Jesus because he handed us a pamphlet or because he prayed for us or because he he preached to us or because whatever and, and I'm not saying that that I shouldn't or that though you know there may not that there may be cases where that's very appropriate and, and very much right but I just think it apart from like you take honor out of the equation and then it's like what do you have you got you have like pressure points you know like I have to perform so that you hopefully perform and it's like man that's that's not what I see when I you know or hear when I go back and, and read scriptures and why I'm still inspired by them is not because we you know somehow all got pressured into this mm. uh, yeah yeah you know what I really uh, love too and, and this is, I think, the heart of what this podcast is about. Because obviously I've shared an idea and a thought from my perspective. And you've gone, you know what, that's not your perspective. But there has not been a moment in this conversation where either of us have felt and needed the need to antagonize each other or bait each other. Sure. Or, like this has been, and I like I sit here and go, man, I just want to meet you face to face and have a beer with you now. Because you just seem like this yeah. you know, oh, a beautiful man, human being that I want to hang out with. Mm. And yeah, we've seen likewise. that to really, there is a shortage of this dynamic happening in the world today with people of different views yeah. and um you know and i guess that's also something that this podcast is wanting to go how can we demonstrate yeah. what it looks like to have respect and difference of opinions and ideas um and be free to ask the questions and go hey you know, but i think this and be able to m have that met in a way that is um as you say honoring and respectful you know and I, so i'm yeah. so so um energized i guess just by the conversation cool. even if we have different viewpoints it's amazing mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks, Damien. Same. I think um, probably nobody realizes, um, we, we probably, well, not that we're making any money out of this podcast, nor is it our intention, really. Uh, but uh, if we were, we should probably be paying you some uh, commissions, my friend, because uh, the name itself was actually yours. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> so aw Awkward In Between came. It, it's been a phrase oh, man, that I have great. kind of journeyed with since the Whoa. very last year of Easterfest when uh, Damo Chad man. was our speaker at our Saturday, Easter Saturday morning um, service, church service, to kick off the day at the festival. And mm. uh, it was interesting for me because at that point we were pretty close to understanding that this was probably going to be the last year of the mm. festival. Financially, things were not looking great. And so we were kind of starting to feel pretty shaky. And... Uh, and Chad uh, preached that morning about the idea of the awkward in between and, and the perspective there was that obviously, you know, in the Christian Easter story, you've got Jesus is crucified on Good Friday, doesn't rise again till the Sunday and, uh, and that, you know, that Saturday for the disciples, you know, etc. would have been this, this awkward in between of, you know, they, we look back on the story and know how it is told to have end, ended. Uh, but they in that in the story would would have not had that, and so that was uh, Chad's uh, message that morning, and talking about what it's like to be in that awkward in between space, which then I found myself kind of feeling a real resonance with when it became apparent that Easter first was definitely done. This thing that had been my obviously my job, but also such a massive part of my family and my faith and and my community yeah. and all of these things uh, for a mm. decade. Uh, and found myself, you know, and, and at kind of 42, you know, like feeling like, man, I got a pretty niche resume to now be unemployed. <laughs> mm. So that was scary too, and it all triggered, I guess, a bit of a, 
uh, midlife crisis, uh, which triggered a faith deconstruction. And, and in, to be really honest, it led me all the way through to here. And so that phrase has stuck with me ever since that Saturday morning, Chad. So thank yeah, you for our cool. podcast title, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> By the You're sounds of it, we'll be you hearing can... from your lawyers soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, send, you can send all royalties to 7117 River Park Court. <laughs> No, no, that's amazing. That's that's beautiful. Chad, thanks so much for having a chat with us today. I really appreciate it. I love the fact too, like, you know, because I I don't know if we mentioned during the podcast, we may have mentioned off air, you you and I both have the same surname, which happens to be Johnson, right? So we're either both, we're both humans together or we're both dicks. But um, (laughs) I'm... I've never heard that, but I'll take it. But, <laughs> you know, but I've just absolutely loved accurate. this chat today and just wanted to say yeah. thank you so much for coming on and all the best to Furnace Festival later on the year. Yeah. Can't wait to join you there, my friend. I love you so much and looking forward to hanging out. Hey. Yeah, love you too, bro. It's going to be amazing. Can't, can't wait. Awesome. Chad Johnson, thanks for joining us on the Awkward In Between.